strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Then zone for Fitz. Goes up and makes the game-winning catch. Larry Legend does it again. The Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! During the season, it's easy. It's a 24-hour rule. 24 hours to celebrate a win or lament a loss. Oh, boy. And then... It's on to Cincinnati. Next week, (laughs) next opponent, next game plan, next. But what do you do, Ron Wolfley, when every team except one ends every season with a loss? And this loss keeps you out of the postseason. What is the statute of limitations for a crying in your pale ale? Well, that is a great question right there. It really is. This is one that is going to stick in the crawl. So it's on to stick in the crawl. (laughs) I'm not over it. I'm not. I'm not over it. I mean, I was all ready for a repeat of the 98 playoff play-in win against the Chargers, and you're thinking it's coming against John Wolford and the Rams, and they're banged up, and you're thinking, boom, here it comes. And then out goes Kyler, and boom, uh, for the most part, with no offense generated, he took the Cardinals' playoff hopes with it, uh, him and his bum ankle, at least until early fourth quarter. And uh, here we are, Ron Wolfley. Yeah. Tis the offseason. It really is, Bully. It's just such a tough pill to swallow right now. And as Dave Pash actually said, 19 years as the voice of the Arizona Cardinals, saying it was the most disappointing season, he took the words right out of my mouth. Because I, I for me, 16 years of doing this, Paul, And the expectation that I had, I thought this was a playoff team. The Arizona Cardinals, the roster going into this season, thought it was a playoff team. And I think they underachieved. And I think all you need to do is look at the last two games of the season. And I think this was a 10-win team on paper. Again, it was on paper, and I said it the, I said it at the beginning of the season as well, a 9 or 10 win season for the Arizona Cardinals on paper, a playoff caliber team I said before the season started, and they had that right in front of them the last two weeks of the season against the 49ers of course at home and then at SoFi Stadium against the Rams and the backup quarterback situation they had there and it did not come to fruition and that is going to be a tough off-season pill to swallow but it's one you must and you're right the expectations were ratcheted up after a 5 and 2 start a 6 and 3 start you start looking at the talent even minus the Chandler Jones they were still getting pressure and getting sacks and getting into the backfield here comes Hassan Reddick those sort of things worked in their favor but 
It was also a team, and you documented it better than anyone, that played down to its competition, played up to its competition. So when you look back and you talk about lamenting losses, I think of sitting there in New England and losing on a game-winning field goal Mm. against the Patriots and losing to a quarterback, albeit a former MVP, who had a passer rating sub-24 in that game. How can you not think of the last two games losing to C.J. Beathard and John Wolford? to backup quarterbacks. So for everything the Cardinals had on their roster, it's, to me, just as vexing and frustrating and as memorable for the wrong reasons was who they lost to at critical parts in the season. Yeah, absolutely, Paulie. I would say, you know, the Miami game really sticks out to me. You're playing at home, coming off of the bye against the Miami Dolphins, and suddenly they're starting Tua Tungavailoa, right? He's getting his first start ever. And the I, I was so... I was so expecting the Cardinals to win that game at home, and they lost that game 34-31. That was really, really disappointing as well as we look back. And you you like the stat, the passer rating against. I just called up the stats on that Miami game. Remember, Tua went 20 of 28 for 248, two touchdowns, no interceptions for a rookie in his second game, a passer rating of 122.3. No turnovers, no critical mistakes by Tua, who also ran the ball a couple of times for some big chunk yards in critical situations. Yeah, he did. He played really, really well. you got to give him an awful lot of credit. And I know Red Sea fans don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. Yeah. It's, uh, I tell you, and, you know, you look at some of the opportunities they had down the stretch those last two games, and Cliff Kingsbury said it going into the last game. We don't know who we are yet that this last game will define us well we'll figure out what that means exactly darren urban cardinals insider is our guest tonight on the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert the clock hits triple zeros the arizona cardinal season is over they lose the play-in game 18 to 7 to the rams la's in the playoffs chicago is in the playoffs the cardinal season is over the Rams win 18-7. to L.A. did not have an offensive touchdown. They had three field goals of safety in a Troy Hill, 84-yard pick six right before the half. Think about that. Paulie, the only thing the offense could not do is turn the ball over. That was the only thing they could not do, and... Even though Kyler Murray was not their quarterback when it did happen out on the field, the offense gave up nine points to the Rams with a safety and a pick six. Rams did get to the two-yard line twice. There was a forced fumble, and uh, then there was also a field goal force when they got to the... But you know what? The Rams, they dominated the clock. They minimized the Cardinals' possessions. They had 247 total yards. Not bad for John Wolford, especially after starting the game with that heinous interception throw to Jordan Hicks. Uh, you know, and, and, and ultimately, he became the first quarterback ever in NFL history to make a debut with more than 200 yards passing, more than 50 yards rushing. So he was efficient enough, and the Rams end up getting the win again, 18-7. to It is a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Uh, Darren Urban will join us momentarily. We'll get into the offseason. 27 unrestricted free agents. In fact, Ron Wolfley, you know the offseason is upon us when we got our first mock draft. That oh, was no. <laughs> earlier today. Todd McShay. Todd McShay. Todd, he's starting it already. 
care to uh, – well, we'll save that. We'll save that for Darren Urban. Sure, uh, absolutely. Let, let, I mean, Listen, I love Travis Etienne, okay? I'm just going <laughs> to tell you that right now, Paulie. I do, but I, I, I'm okay. not taking him at 16. Yeah, okay? no. I, I'm not. No, not um, on this roster. No, no uh, not on no. this roster, but I will tell you, I absolutely love the kid. I think he's got a complete back, if ever there was. He reminds me so much of Walter Payton in terms of mm. his ability to block. Wow. He's so good. Oh, I love watching a kid play. Here's Kyler Murray and just his lasting memory of this season, especially coming off a two-game stretch, uh, two losses in the season, where especially in Week 17, if you win, you're in. It didn't happen. Here's Kyler. It's uh... – <laughs> It's really tough, you know, and it's still, again, it goes back to um, you winning the games that you're supposed to win, um, and, and you're not putting yourself in this position. I know we're a playoff team. I know I know what we're capable of, but, you know, again, that's just uh, something that we kept holding us back all year was, you know, us hurting ourselves. It, it came back to bite us for sure. So what do you make of that comment? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing you spent a good portion of this week uh, parsing that comment perhaps you yeah. know speculating what exactly he meant there uh what do you think you know what Polly? honestly he, he's so right it's about winning the games you're supposed to win all season long and i said this paul from october and i'm i'm not trying to say this paul look at me all right but it was the truth they played up and down yep the the arizona cardinals more than anything else paul they've got to find a standard of play They have to find a standard of play, and this is the way that we do it around here. And you know me, Paul, I'm sorry, but that's culture. When you're you're talking about finding a standard of play, offensively, defensively, and in transition, you're talking about this is how we do things, this is what we do, this is why we do it, and this is when we do it. You have to answer all those questions in the order, the structure, is the foundation to actually building on that, finding a standard of play. Job one, as far as I'm concerned, for Cliff Kingsbury and this team in the offseason is going to be, okay, let's create a culture, and this is going to be our standard of play. This is how we're going to do things, not only on game day, but throughout the entire week. This is how we're going to do it around here and hope that it translates into finding that standard of play every Sunday. It's one thing if you're not talented enough and you're getting dominated. That wasn't the case oh, yeah. with this team. Paul, that, all the culture in the world is not going to help right. you if you don't have the talent. Right. <laughs> and, and that's my point, is that I think we all agree this roster was talented yes. enough to get one of those seven playoff spots. They yes. started five and two. They were six and three. They had a shot at the very end of the season winning. You're in. It didn't happen. So yes. to me, a lot of the issues facing the Arizona Cardinals, and I, I think this is where you're going with this, were imminently fixable. They're, they're right there to be fixed by that locker room. Cliff Kingsbury is asked going into week 17 after he said on the record, he said to the meeting, he told us on his TV show, he's very disappointed in the intensity and the energy that he saw in week 16 against yes. the Niners. Was there going to be some sort of locker room speech before when and you're in? He said, no, that's not happening. Guys should realize the gravity of the moment and what's at stake. Yes. And just too often, you know, Domitaw Pecco told us last week on this very show, guys didn't fit the run real well against the Niners, and they weren't in the right spots at the right time. Well, to me, that's that's just mental preparation. Yeah, Paul, no, you're right on this thing. You are, absolutely. It's about being ready to go out there and ball out. And the fact that you had the coach 
pointing out Week 16, saying they underachieved in that game and didn't play with the intensity needed. That tells you all you need to know. We'll see if Darren Urban is ready to BYOE. Bring your own energy on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Shotgun snap to Murray. Steps up and takes off. Far side of the 20. Got room at the 10. Cuts right to the 5. Jukes the defender and scores. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces at the 5-yard line (laughs) as he tried to break down and make that play, and Kyler broke him down. Murray back to throw. Flushed out. Rolling left in trouble. Slips a tackle. Got to launch it. He does. Left side. Into the end zone. Jump ball. And it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh, my goodness, it's caught. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. He caught it for a touchdown with one second left. I can't believe it. You've got to be joking me. Cardinals blitz. Back to throw. Dalton gets hit and slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield and smoked Andy Dalton. What a day, Buda Baker. Your three Pro Bowlers 2020 for the Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Buda Baker right there, who was the guy firing up the Cardinals in the tunnel before the L.A. game and uh, telling everybody to leave it all out there. Well, guess what? They're going to be picking it up again uh, 2021. As uh, we said, going into that season finale, it's either next week or next season. And here we go. It is the Big Red Rage year-round. Thursday night football continues with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Darren Urban, Cardinals senior writer and multi-standout, uh, multimedia standout performer here. And Darren, uh, let me just say this. Justin Pugh said going into that last game, if we don't get it fixed, we're going home. And if we go home, people lose jobs. And then today, Wolf, did you see if you go to azcardinals.com, the headline, breaking down the Cardinals roster after 2020 as Darren Urban went player by player, position by position. I saw what Derb did, Paul. Mm. Wolf, if you're a player and you're on the team, do you you click with some (laughs) extra anticipation as to what the Cardinals insider has to say about where you rate on the old depth chart going forward? You know what, Paulie? I think if you're on the too deep, you probably do not do that, okay? If you're okay. on the too deep right there. That's just a guess. I think if you're player number 53, you might be clicking. You might be. You know what, Paul? It's kind of funny that you mention it because uh, one day a long time ago, um, I might have been in a uh, establishment that serves adult beverages in Flagstaff one night after a uh, training camp practice, and I happened to run into um, a certain long snapper at the time who <laughs> had remembered what I had said in that same article back in that day where I was thinking that perhaps they would want to go in a different direction, a long snapper, and maybe get a little cheaper. And uh, he, he made sure that I, uh, I knew that he had seen that, and obviously this was the following training camp, so I was <laughs> off base there. But uh, How was your dinner? Everything go Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't say that. I can't say there was a there was a eating going on there. Okay. It, was, uh, it was purely the the beverage. Yeah. <laughs> Considering it, it was after dinner and and the kind of establishment we're talking about, I, I'll just hazard a guess. It was Trey Junkin. I'm just gonna say <laughs> it was Trey Junkin. That's all. That's oh, just me. Come doing? on now. You never go there. Paul. Come on. Don't I'm just gonna. It. The guy had. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm speaking out of school if I would tell you that it was Mike Leach. Oh, oh, it was Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Wow. Okay, that's good. That's I, good. Hey, you I know stand what, corrected. Way to bring it. 
That's 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 solid. So, uh, Mike Leach, um, he did not have the cooler of beverages uh, chained to the bed of his pickup truck. That was the difference no. between Mike Leach and Trey Junkins. So, no, and I'm not even 100 percent sure Mike Leach was doing anything other than just kind of hanging out there either. Right. And let me just say to everybody that Mike Leach is a great guy, and oh, this yes. in no way reflects oh, our yeah. relationship. We obviously have a very good relationship. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. But that's he read it. I will tell you that. I bet he did. I'm telling you right now. Hey, listen, if you're near the end of a roster and you know Derb is tapped in, you oh, better yeah. believe you're clicking on that. Oh, yeah. Um, let's start at the top here, Darren, the salary cap, uh, because that will factor into every team's roster, right? Tell us about what's coming. Well, the salary cap uh, for this year was a, a little over $198 million. Uh, and because of COVID and because teams haven't had fans, which is a significant well, let's say it's not an insignificant part of the revenue. I mean, clearly television is still the biggest part. But to not have any fans all season, that you know that money isn't going to be there, and that's how they figure out the salary cap. It's a percentage of the total revenues for the year. So um, they, the league and the Players Association worked it out so that it wouldn't drop to where it probably should be. They've spread it out over a few years. The, the bottom – uh, floor that it could be is 175 million, and that's right now the number the teams are counting on. So it, it might be a little higher, perhaps, but let's say it's 175 million. That means everybody's cap, which normally has been going up 10 million dollars or so every year, pretty consistently, um, is going to drop. Uh, not only is it not going to go up, but it's going to drop by 20 whatever that is, 23 million dollars. Mm. And when you're talking about teams that already have a bunch of contracts that were set up with the idea that the cap was going to keep going up, um, you know, that puts you in a, in a tougher place in terms of how much cap space you're going to have and, and what kind of uh, money is going to be out there in free agency. There's definitely still going to be some cap room, especially for certain teams that have been saving it over the past few years. But when it comes to, like, the Cardinals, and I haven't looked yet to see exactly about how much they're supposed to have, but, I mean, they have – 27 unrestricted free agents, another three restricted free agents. So that's 30 guys off their roster. Uh, and I know they don't have a whole lot of cap room, and it's a lot of important people. So when you, when you start talking about losing all that cap space and knowing you've already got guys under contract, it, it becomes a little bit more uh, difficult to, to, to maneuver through that way. And, it's, and for players, too, because it's probably going to lessen the amount of money that's out there in the open market. And guys, they have the gift that keeps on giving in a rookie quarterback on a rookie quarterback contract. Speaking of, here's Kyler Murray on why the Cardinals this season kept shooting themselves in the foot. I think uh, part of it is going through it, you know, learning how to win, and you know, uh, some other reasons uh, that I, you know, don't care to break down right now. But yeah, we just we got we got to be better um, in all phases. And I, I, I hope that this motivates us as an organization. Like, like I mean, it's, it's an ugly feeling. Wolf, do you care to break that down? These other reasons, quote unquote. No, I really don't. I, I don't want to put words into Kyler Murray, uh, Kyler Murray's mouth. I, I don't know exactly what he was talking about. There was something there, though, Paul. And once oh, again, yeah. it, it fits. Everything we've been talking about in regard to this team, they have to find a standard. See, the problem is the, the, the next step for the Arizona Cardinals, it's an intangible step. It's about maturing. It's about continuing to experience and grow as a football team. And, Paulie, that's in the air. That's and, ether, man. And anytime you're talking about that, that's a difficult proposition. And that's something you have to account for if you're the GM, 
and it, it may you may not be able to define it. It's not going to show up on your spreadsheet in terms of contract numbers and years. And but I mean that's something you're going to have to keep in mind, Darren, when you're trying to build this team. For example, do they need a Tyron Matthew type? that can rally everyone if that's what Kyler's talking about. Do you have a theory as to what he's referencing there? No, I'm, I'm kind of with Wolf on this. I, I think it would be unfair to kind of guesstimate, and especially this year, you know, normal years I've spent a lot more time by now in the locker room uh, talking mm-hmm. to people and just kind of being around it, and that just hasn't been possible this year because of COVID. Uh, so I feel a little bit more out of touch than I normally would, and um, the, the reality is, like you guys know, I mean, something something was missing there. And I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know. I, I agree with you that perhaps that's something you might want to seek out in the, in the open market. But, again, when you're talking about not only the number of players that they might need to get in here, but, but who they potentially might have to replace and or keep and the money they have to spend on it, um, you may not have a whole lot of choices there in terms of, being able to be super picky because you've, you've got to just stack the roster in the first place. I mean, you're talking about a starting running back and potentially a starting linebacker and uh, a potentially a starting cornerback or two cornerbacks, uh, you know, a, a couple of tight ends. I mean, you, there's so many spots here that, they, that they're going to have to address. You know, Derb, forgive me to jump. I, Paul, I am jumping in here, but I, I got I to gotta find this out. Darren, I have not been able to talk to you at all. This season overall, what is your what is your take on this season right now? Let me parachute in from 30,000 feet with Darren Urban. Why don't you tell me how you feel about how this season went and the prospects of where they're going? Well, Wolf, I, you know, I, I've heard you talk uh, about where you thought this was the beginning of the year. I had a little bit different of a, of a viewpoint on it. I thought... Coming into the year, I thought they had a challenge, a chance to challenge for the playoffs in part because there was an additional playoff spot. I thought it was an eight or nine win team. Um, so when we got to the end of the season, I, I, I thought record wise they were about where I thought they might be. Now, I will say that my expectations and my thoughts changed after those first seven to nine games Mm -hmm. thinking okay maybe they're going to take a bigger step this year than i thought they were going to Um, but i've thought all along and paul knows this because we talked about it on our podcast a million times i mean this was a team that was built to I, i thought had a defense that was built okay hopefully we can be fairly average Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit over uh, around average, maybe a little bit better than that, but that's what we can be with who we have and all that, especially once Chandler Jones went down. And then that should be good enough because this offense should carry us. And what we saw was, I thought, that when they were winning, the offense was carrying them mm-hmm. and, and was doing well. And once the off, once the the fizz went out of this offense. They just they didn't have the ability to, to get it done. And then that last game was a great example, or actually the 49ers game was a better example, Wolf, because I felt like that was the most disappointing game of all. I mean, the last game when Kyler Murray gets hurt, uh, things change, especially against what I think Agreed. might be the best defense in the league. But the 49ers game yep. was the game that just was like, how does that happen? What happened to everything? And it just kind of crystallized, quite frankly, the, the disappointment of what the season became. See, if you ask me, 
my biggest disappointment and or biggest fear going forward. For example, the run game, what happened over the last seven games? They were rolling those first nine games, and I think the offense went down with it, the lack of that run game to get the play action and keep a defense honest. But it's the inability to beat the Rams. You lost two more. The Niners really schemed it up in Week 16, and you struggled against Kyle Shanahan's scheme and Robert Sala. And then the Seahawks made their adjustments and came back and won the rematch. So that's my one big fear, guys, to me, is have you made any ground up in the division? Man, Polly, honestly, though, you're, you're right. I get what you're saying. But if you would have told me the defense was going to be number 13 in total yards per game and number 8 in total yards per play and number 12 in points allowed, they should have been a lot better than they were. We name names next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Empty backfield on third and two at the 20. Shotgun snap to Murray, drops back to throw, fires left side, Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins puts his hands up and he catches it, and it's a touchdown. I have no idea how he caught that ball. The sickle is how he caught that football. Took those two hands, stuck it up into the air, and stabbed the pig on a fade route. What a great catch by DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if there's anybody else in the NFL who makes that catch. The harvester of sorrows. That was the standout grab. He had nine catches, a buck 69, the game-winning touchdown, right? Uh, new gloves after he had that early fumble in the game, and he <laughs> flicked away the... But, Wolf, I, I love the call, Harvester of Sorrows, and I wasn't the only one. If memory serves, you, you got a text from Hoopy, your mom, didn't you? Yeah, I did, as a matter of fact, Paul. And she's a big D-Hop fan. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Okay, and she liked the call, too. Yeah, Wolf she won't liked say the it. call, no doubt. Yeah, Harvester you won't say of it. Sorrows. I will. We'll let Darren Urban say it as well. Max Paul. On the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. It's all about you, Darren Urban, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert in this Cardinals offense. That was a high point against the Eagles. 33-26 win. They had 526 total yards, but as uh, I think it was Buda Baker said, this season was a roller coaster ride, and we saw other games where they didn't have that sort of production. So, uh, what do you think, Darren? Once again, from the top, 27 unrestricted free agents uh, on offense. Where do you start? Well, I mean, I think with the way things are set up, I mean, I, I think you got to figure out what you're going to do with Hassan Reddick. Uh, number one, I mean, I think edge rusher is a place where um, you want to make sure you stockpile the best you can. You have Chandler Jones going to the last year of his deal next year, and he's going to be coming off an injury, and he's getting up there in age to the point where you have to wonder about what you're going to do with his next contract. You know, and Hassan Reddick's at a nice age. I mean, he's 26, and he's had 12-and-a-half sacks, and you finally had the number uh, first-round pick pay off. So what do you do with Hassan Reddick? Do you pay him? What's his market going to be? Is Marcus Golden your backup plan there? Uh, do you somehow try and keep them both? I don't think that's possible, but we'll see. Um, you know, what do, what do you do in that direction? And then I guess number two would probably be, how you handle Patrick Peterson, and that, that's not just because it's Peterson, but also because, you know, he, your two starting cornerbacks are both free agents. Drake or Patrick's also a free agent. You don't know what you're going to get out of Robert Alford, and, and, you know, cornerback tends to be kind of an important position, guys. So I think that's probably your other big one at this point. 
Wolf, what do you think the market is going to be on those two guys? Let's start with Hassan Reddick. Pro Football Focus put out their top 100 free agents. Hassan Reddick was 87th, one of four Cardinals on the list. And they said he, they expect him to get a one-year deal from Carolina for $8.5 million. Yeah, right, Paulie. Mm. I, I Honestly, I, I don't know what to say on this. I really don't. Um, it's, a diff, it's a difficult proposition. Hassan Reddick, I'm so impressed with Hassan Reddick. You know how much I, I have an affinity for this guy personally, Paulie. What a great kid he is. I'm a huge fan of Hassan. They put him out on the edge and let him just use all that talent. Everything that he did at Temple, basically, we all know off the ball is not his thing. On the line of scrimmage is his thing coming off the edge. He did a great job. He's been up and down. He's been in so many different systems, so many different defensive coordinators, and yet somehow some way he went out there and had a double digit sack season and led the Cardinals obviously in that regard now having said all of that I think somebody is going to give Hassan Reddick money that the Arizona Cardinals are going to have to walk away that's just a guess I have no hard fast rule on that Paul it's just a guess and that is the fear he'll get like Olivier Vernon money though yeah there'll be some teams so desperate for a pass rusher and they'll have the cap room so Okay, we'll see about that. He definitely wants to stay. At least that's what he says. Uh, as for Patrick Peterson, another guy, Darren, who says he wants to stay. And and look, we saw some games where Pat P shut down DK Metcalf. And then we saw other games where they didn't hesitate throwing his way. He just got his worst coverage grade since 2011, according to Pro Football Focus. He had an NFL high 11 penalties against him. Uh, but the Cardinals have a serious need at corner, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's a position that you're always looking at anyways, and quite frankly, even if they find a way to keep Patrick Peterson, who I think is still a solid cornerback in this league, um, if not where he used to be, you're still going to have to know what your other starter is across from him, and do you go in the draft, and you know, is is Byron Murphy going to stay in the slot? Because if he's best suited there, then again, you need that other starter, so I think it's a position that they're going to have to address one way or the other, but if Peterson ends up leaving, it just becomes, you know, very obvious that they have to address. How about how about Marcus Golden, guys? Uh, Darren, Marcus Golden, uh, what do you think? Is that contingent on Hassan Reddick? Well, I mean, again, you're only going to have so much money to spend. The one thing about Marcus is he's now been in a situation where Two times he's gone into free agency. Both times he didn't get the offers that he wanted. It's not like he had a giant statistical season. He, you know he wants to stay here. He's made that very clear. Um, and, I, I, and it would be awesome if you could have a trio of him and Hassan Reddick and Chandler Jones. I just don't know if you're going to be able to have the money for that. And, uh, again, I think Marcus is in a position right now, and especially since you know he wants to stick around, you probably figure out what you're going to do with Hassan Reddick first and then kind of go from there. I, I, I think that's what happens. It's, again, I don't want to rule out that you could keep them both, but uh, just with the circumstances the way they are, it, that would seem difficult to me. What do you think about Jordan Phillips and the future of Jordan Phillips here? I, I know he signed under contract through, what, 2023, as a matter of fact. He signed under contract, but I would have to say it was a disappointing season for Jordan Phillips this year. Your thoughts on this, Derp? I would agree with that. I mean, clearly he was hurt most of the time, which is never good, and um, you probably wanted to see a little bit more out of him when he was in there early in the season. Um, especially for a guy that you, you know, were counting on to be one your big ticket free agent signing, and so I don't know what happens there. Um, 
that was kind of the fear with him a little bit, and he insisted that mm-hmm. you know people that were calling him a a one hit wonder with going into his contract year last year that you know that wasn't him, and he wanted to show it. And I, I think he's going to have a lot to prove this next season, at least staying healthy and being able to make an impact. I, I, mean, I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, I think you need to see if he can still anchor the middle of that line, but you're going to need more from him, I would think. And there's no doubt the Cardinals could have used him, for example, in that Week 16 loss against the Niners when they ran for 227, and, and they're missing not only him, but but Corey Peters, Corey. as we know. You know what, what do you make of Corey Peters, Darren? Considering the leadership, there's nobody more respected in that locker room, but he's also well into his 30s and now coming off an ACL. I, I would think... I think would I think would think Corey would want to stay, and I would think they'd want to keep him around um, for the reasons you just stated. I don't know if you lessen his role, but given his age and and the injuries he's had, I don't know if there would be a giant market for him. So I, to me, he's one of those guys that I think you would be able to figure something out to keep him around, which I think would be helpful because I do think they missed him in the locker room after he got hurt. Derb, what do you think about Lucky Foto and Richard Lawrence in regard to their rookie seasons and where the Arizona Cardinals think they are in terms of being rotation players going forward? Well, I, I mean, I, I think I think Foto started flashing a little bit more. Um, you know, Lawrence kind of got derailed. I thought Lawrence was showing something early and then he got hurt, and yeah. that, that tends to make it harder, especially for rookies that didn't have any kind of off-season work. But I mean, when you spend those kind of when you spend draft picks on those on defensive linemen again, we've just gone over four defensive linemen here, and it's it's an area that they actually they were trying to make better that they addressed hard in the off season, and then it still didn't quite work out the way they wanted, as Paul was mentioning late in the year. So um, you you have to hope Lawrence is a guy that can stay healthy. Um, and, you know, hopefully there's there, and you hope that they can grow a little bit, and you hope that Brenton Buckner is a guy that can continue to draw it out of them. You know, again, when we're talking about the position, even like Zach Allen, Zach Allen flashed finally at the end of that year, yep. uh, but you need a, a third-round pick like that to really step forward. They need to they need to have one of these guys, these mid-round defensive linemen, really, like, shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be all of them. That's not how this usually works. But it would be really nice if one stepped forward and you really found a diamond in the rough. In the rough. And it'd be a shocker, right, guys, if Devondre Campbell was back just based on the position he plays and who they drafted behind him and Isaiah Simmons? It would be to me, yeah, at this Agreed. Point. Wolf, did, did Isaiah Simmons get enough snaps on defense for your liking this year? Uh, no, I, I wanted to see Isaiah Simmons get a whole lot more, but I trust the hierarchy. I, tr- I trust Vance Joseph in determining whether or not he was deserving of those snaps, Polly. So, once again, you got to go out there. Listen, everyone wants to win games in the National Football League. They don't sit players that are worthy of going out and getting a huge amount of snaps. They don't sit guys like that. They play guys that give them a better opportunity to win. Isaiah Simmons has got a lot to prove going forward, but I think he'll do that because I like what I saw from him this year. He showed he can be physical as well. Offense next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Step drop in trouble is Jones, and he fumbles the ball. It's poked out, but he recovers it. Hassan Reddick with the sack and the strip. Short set pressure coming. Jones is sacked by Hassan Reddick. 
Yeah, Hassan Reddick coming off the edge right there. Jones back to throw, hit and sacked inside the five-yard line. He fumbled the ball. It's recovered by the Giants. Reddick and Golden were both back there again. Pressure coming, and guess who's got him? Hassan Reddick with his fourth sack. Oh, my goodness, he did it again. Boy, back to throw, pressure coming. Sacked by Reddick, and he forced the fumble. That's his fifth sack of the day. Man, Hassan Reddick has owned the New York Giants here today. And because of that, he owns the Cardinals' all-time single-game sack mark. (laughs) Think about that in the team record book. He had five sacks. He had three forced fumbles. He had five tackles for loss. So Well done, Hassan. Man, that that was an unreal performance. And you know what? End up the year with 12 and a half sacks and 20 tackles for loss, and he's going to be a big-time free agent. We'll see what happens. Pro Football Focus has him number 87 on the top 100 free agents. We're breaking down the roster. In fact, Darren Urban joins us here on the Big Red Range, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. You go to azcardinals.com. You can see his breakdown, position by position, naming names. On offense, D, you got Kelvin Beecham, number 75 in terms of the pro football focus top 100. Kenyon Drake, number 77. Uh, You tell us, where do you start when it comes to question marks and players going forward on O? Well, on offense, the the first guy that comes to mind at this point would probably be uh, Kenyon Drake because you've got to kind of figure out what you want to do at running back. And, you know, is Kenyon Drake a guy you want to try and keep around? Uh, do you try and get a little bit cheaper there um, to pair with Chase Edmonds? Does Eno Benjamin fit in at all? Uh, what about Jonathan Ward, who had the touchdown in the last game? I think you've got to figure some things out. But that's a position where, frankly, most teams, and I think the Cardinals are going to be in this group after what happened with David Johnson, where I don't think they're going to spend a ton of money on running backs. And not that uh, Drake will necessarily have a giant market, but uh, he made $8 million on the, tag, on the tag this year, and I don't see them paying that to him. So if he's going to want that, I would think he might have to go elsewhere, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, I mean, to me, honestly, Paul, the, the, the biggest issue on offense, you, you talk about Beecham, but you drafted Josh Jones. I'm assuming you're hoping he can step in at some point. You have Marcus Gilbert coming back, who still has a year left on his contract, so I don't know if Beecham comes back. Um, I, I think the big thing is, are you going to be able to – what are you going to do a wide receiver? Are you going to go and, and get a second wide receiver that might be able to work with DeAndre Hopkins? Because I just don't know at this point if Christian Kirk is a guy that – you know, I, I think he's still important to this offense, but perhaps more like a number three rather than trying to rely on him as number two. And, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with Fitz. Boy, that really was difficult, wasn't it? I mean, the wide receiver room overall, I had so many expectations coming into this season with Larry Fitzgerald, of course, and Christian Kirk. And then Christian Kirk got off to such a great start as well. Man, you were looking at that 11 personnel, one back, one tight end. Three wide receivers, the Arizona Cardinals are going to light it up offensively. And it just never seemed to come together. It never seemed to mesh and be consistent all season long here. And we saw some guys that did not develop as well. Andy Isabella is a guy that comes to mind right now. Now, I think when you compare 2019 to 2020 in terms of of catching the football, Andy Isabella was night and day better. It's not even close to me in terms of catching the ball. But D, he did not get the opportunity, and at the end, he faded. Why is my question to you? Well, I wish I knew that, Wolf. Again, not being around, not being able to talk to Andy Isabella, 
or the coaches, to be honest, uh, it's it's really hard to know. But there's no question, you know, he was once Larry Fitzgerald came back from the COVID and Keyshawn Johnson had been playing, it was Keyshawn Johnson that kept that extra spot and Isabella had been inactive. And I know they had a ton of problems on offense in the finale, but no Christian Kirk and no uh, Larry Fitzgerald in that last game because of uh, injury and COVID. And Andy Isabella was active, and he had three offensive snaps. Yeah. And that just tells me a ton right now. And the question is, is, are, is, is next year a big year for Andy Isabella, or did, have they already seen everything that they want to see from Andy Isabella? And are they going to end up moving on or, or trying to find something else? And I think that's a huge question as we go into this offseason. Or maybe they try a new wide receivers coach, because CBS reporting today the Cardinals have fired – wide receiver coach David Rye. So we'll mm. see about that. But there's no question, guys, when you're playing the Rams, for instance, and Jalen Ramsey is giving D-Hop everything he can handle, and, or maybe week 16 when D-Hop just doesn't quite have that chemistry with Kyler and he only has eight grabs. Well, he has eight grabs, but for only 48 yards, and he's held out of the end zone. They need another legit receiving option, do they not, Wolf? Whether – whether that somehow is Larry and they figure out a better way to use him and get him more targets, but you wonder to what degree they, they're going to target that receiver either high in the draft and or in free agency. You know, it's really interesting because the Houston Texans, as you guys know, the Houston Texans went out and they got Will Fuller. They brought in Will Fuller because they wanted him over the top of DeAndre Hopkins. They brought in Kenny Stills because that wasn't enough for them. They wanted another guy that had incredible speed, 4-3 speed, over the top of D-Hop as well, because as we all know, D-Hop is not a guy that's just going to run by you. He's still a deep threat, very much like Larry Fitzgerald used to be a deep threat, because you could still throw the ball up to him when he's covered. Just throw it up. A 50-50 ball really isn't a 50-50 ball when you throw it up to DeAndre Hopkins. It's more of an 80-20 or a 90-10. It's certainly seemed that way this year. So I'm not trying to say that D-Hop is not a deep threat. He still is a deep threat, no doubt. But man, you need some aid, comfort, and shelter over the top of him. Some great speed where he can work that intermediate magic. And Dan Arnold had that stretch, Darren, of four games where he had four touchdowns in that four-game stretch. But otherwise, there was a lot of you know, a lot of games where he just wasn't much of a threat, and Dan Arnold is going to be unrestricted, is he not? Yeah, he's unrestricted too. I mean, again, so many questions with a lot of pieces that were in use this year, and you could argue that they can change them, but, uh, you know, somebody's got to be playing next year, and if you want to take a step forward, you don't want to take too far back. That's right. Well, and J.R. Sweezy going to be unrestricted. Justin Pugh has an out in his contract. We'll see what they decide there. So, Darren, thank you very much. Check out the article, azcardinals.com. Go back to your 140,000 followers on Twitter, okay? <laughs> That'll back to wrap up Big Red Rage right after this. inside First Energy Stadium. And wherever you are, this is starting to become very, very real that the Browns are going to go to the playoff. They're in victory formation, and Baker Mayfield takes a knee, and the clock will wind down. An amazing story. The Browns will get their 11th win of the year. They'll go to 11-5, and and they're going to the playoffs. Unbelievable. What a season. 
is Jim Donovan, Browns Radio Network. That's what it sounds like when you clinch your first postseason burst since the 2002 season, Ron Wolfley. And here's the thing about your former team, the Cleveland Browns. They have still not practiced for their playoff game for the second straight day. The team's headquarters and training facility were closed due to a COVID flare-up. Think about that. Baker Mayfield yeah, says Paul, he hasn't thrown a football since last Sunday. It took him 18 years to get to the postseason. 18 years to get back to the postseason, and now all of a sudden this happens to him. Wow. you got to be wow. kidding me. But the game I'm really looking forward to, or Polly, it's Baltimore-Tennessee, man, on Sunday. Mm. The early game, the first game. I knew Baltimore. it. Oh, you, I knew it. Why do you say that, Paul? Oh, it's your kind of football. <laughs> it's Listen, your kind of football right there. You've heard me talk about the D-meter, right? The D-meter measures the amount of destruction and offense brings to a field versus the the amount of deception an offense brings to the field. A negative number speaks to a more destructive offense, and the higher that negative number, the more destructive they are. I can tell you right now, the Baltimore Ravens are a minus 99, Paul. Minus 99 on the D-meter because they will blow your face off. And guess what? So are the Tennessee Titans. They line up. The only thing stronger than a minus 99 is a minus 100. And that's what the Tennessee Titans are on the D-meter with Derrick Henry. So Ron Wolfley creating his own analytics here with the D-meter. That's exactly uh, right, Paul. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward, thanks to asking, uh, at the Rams <laughs> and Seattle game. Paul, because, nobody cares. Come on, man. The Seahawks have won 10 straight at home in the playoffs, and now the Rams have Jared Goff back, who looks pretty good throwing the football in practice. Cooper Cup is back. Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle, Wait is back. Wait a minute. You got come Jared on. Goff going against the D-meter, Paul, honestly. There's thankfully, no contest there. Yeah, thankfully we're out of time to run Jared Goff through the D-meter. <laughs> uh, special thanks, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Darren Urban. Thank you for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Derb. Number one, Kyler Murray. You've been listening to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. <laughs> Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.